0: Welcome back to Fearless As Fuck, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lauren. If this is your first time here, I just wanted to do a little welcome and touch base again because every once in a while, I feel like I kind of skip the intros and people jump on the podcast and don't really know what we talk about here. And I was just talking to my friend who's going to be our guest today on the podcast, and we were kind of going over what the themes and topics have been of Fearless over the last couple of weeks. And a lot of the things that we've been talking about are empowerment stories and bringing on guests that have really taken a moment to kind of... Take a deep dive into their journeys and into what they've been doing with their lives, you know, overcoming hardships, overcoming struggles that they may have faced in their careers, and even some deeper things into childhood trauma, recovering from really exhausting and debilitating relationships. So, we've covered quite a bit of things, and we've also covered a lot of things related to the fitness industry. Um, if you do not know myself, and a lot of my guests are actually WBFF. Um, fitness professionals, and we've been in the fitness industry for a long time. So every once in a while, I like to bring people on and kind of take a little bit of a redirection and talk about fitness and business and females and entrepreneurship and things like that. And today we have a wonderful friend of mine, Victoria Scott, on the podcast today. I just want to give you a big welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is awesome.
0: I'm so glad to have you. Um, Victoria is our WBFF current 35 Up world champion, and she is also the owner of Six Pack Chick Fitness, Mm -hmm. which also Hallie works for, who is a really good friend of both of ours. Yes. Too so, mm-hmm. I really get excited to see more WBFF pros in Las Vegas. How long have you been here?
1: Uh, just over two years.
0: Okay, I was I was gonna say yeah. because when I moved here, I feel like I didn't really know any WBFF mm-hmm. pros in Las Vegas. So it's been really cool to see more of us kind of like congregating here.
1: Yeah, I think the last couple of years has been a transition in, in Las Vegas in general. Right, a lot of people moving here for a lot of reasons. Oh um, yeah, and the fitness community here is very strong. So um, it's been awesome for us. I was actually just telling someone else this morning, uh, a a woman I coached years ago had reached out to me for my birthday yesterday. And she's like, what are you doing now? And I said, I moved to Las Vegas. It's honestly been the best thing um, in terms of our network expanding and just feeling like really plugged in to people who are very um, driven and really hungry for success and really hungry to do more. So we didn't really have that. Uh, Where we lived previously. Where was that? We were in San Diego. Okay, I was Mm. from San Diego for a little while, too I'm originally from Southern California from LA and then San Diego and here we are
0: Nice. So let's, we can just start. Like what did, um, what made you get involved in WBFF? I know a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, people who are in the fitness industry probably know what the WBFF is. And I always find myself re-explaining it to people Uh because I'm like, okay, well it is bodybuilding, but it's also this and it's also this and explaining all the different facets of the WBFF. And people have always asked me like, you know, why did you choose a WBFF over something like NPC, IFBB? Mm -hmm. What was exciting to you about it? And what made you actually want to be involved with the organization?
1: Yeah, um, actually, I don't know if you know this, I uh, I was with the NPC um, IFBB Federation for a while. I started competing in 2009, and I competed in figure uh, back then, so the industry has changed a lot, yeah. right? So the look, the categories um, has really evolved, and um, I did, I want to say it was nine shows. Um, During that time in a span of about seven years. So I was all about it. I loved bodybuilding. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I loved it. I didn't know anything about the uh, WBFF back then. Um, I think I may have seen some girls um, in some magazines. So I always always joke because I'm like, I'm like pre social media. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Instagram didn't really exist when I started uh, competing, it was just um, people I met in the gym. And got encouraged to, like, oh, do a competition. And I was a former um, athlete. I played basketball for 15 years. So I, when I started, like, working out, I just wanted to have, like, toned arms. Right? I just wanted to, like, I look like better. It. And, like, I wanted to look like this girl on Oxygen magazine. Right? So, again, not social media. <laughs> it's like, what is, she ha- what is she doing? What's the secret? So I started going down that path. And as I went down the rabbit hole, I met people who um, women – at a very bodybuilding gym in LA that I went to um, it was like a powerhouse gym that comp- that competed and encouraged me to do a show so I was all about it I loved the process I to me getting off work I had a corporate job back then um, getting off work and going in training for two hours or whatever it was at the time was normal to me because I would go play basketball for two hours previously So I loved that process. I loved the discipline. And so I did a show. I loved it. And I went down that path. Um, But it wasn't until uh, 2017 I met my current fiance. And he was actually a WBFF uh, pro. So he competed. I don't know if you know this. um, Brad, he competed in the WBFF, I think, in 2012,
0: 13. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that.
1: So... um, we met and I had just actually won my previous show. Uh, I actually won several shows uh, in figure and I thought I was going to turn pro and stuff. But at the time, uh, the look was definitely changing quite a bit. And I was feeling really pressured to start to, um, you know, get a little more Size, yeah, <laughs> and um, I, you know, as a natural athlete, I didn't uh, know that that was the direction I wanted to go, and I had no one in my life at the time that even could direct me and what that would look like. So I kind of took a little season off, and we had met, and he's like, you know, if you want to, if you want to still compete, like the WBFF, like you would fit the look, and I was like, what's that? <laughs> I was like, what's the WBFF? So I just sort of dabbled. I started following a few people. I don't even remember what pages it was, but I just started following a few people um, and sat on that for a little bit. I was also in a career transition at that time too. So competing also financially wasn't feasible for me. So I just sort of observed from social media and had that in the back of my mind. I kept training and everything. And when the time was right, I just decided, okay, I, I want to do this. I'm going to dive back into competing um, and so, I started prepping for my first WBFF show in 2019. So I took quite a bit of time off.
0: Actually. Yeah, in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so that was fun. I I absolutely loved it. But my the most intimidating thing was the posing. The, right. sw-
0: the switch from the mm-hmm. different posing. In- yeah. And for those of you listening who don't know, the easiest way to, t- to understand it would probably be to go on YouTube and actually look at the different posing. But we have a lot of flexibility in WBFF with how we pose. And it's more of a model-based posing routine than actually going and hitting very specific poses. Mm-hmm. And they really allow you to show your personality and work your body the way you want to work it and show like your really big, strong points and things like that, rather than being like, this is your front pose, this is your side pose, this is your back exactly. pose. So it sounds like it will be like, oh, well, there's so much flexibility, but I actually <laughs> feel like it might be harder. <laughs> in Well, in different ways, obviously.
1: Um, I think it depends on who you are. Yeah, that's true. Because, uh, and I guess anybody who who thinks the posing is intimidating, what I would say to them is, um, you know, again, I, I played basketball. Um, I considered myself a tomboy growing up. Uh, competing in figure, those are very, um, I wouldn't say masculine poses, but. They're very strong. Very strong, yeah. um, mandatory poses. And I, again, I had been doing that, mastering that for seven years. So then to jump into the WBFF, I. Was like what's modeling? What does that (laughs) even mean? mean, You know, like because a lot there are a lot of women who compete with the WBFF who have a dance background or gymnastics background, right? Uh, You're a dancer. Yeah, Yeah. that's why
0: I was like, yes.
1: Yeah, so it's it's or a cheerleader or something like that. So I think for those individuals, it becomes um, maybe a little more natural Mm -hmm. to do. But, um, yeah, those first couple posing sessions, I actually worked with Toby at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, those were brutal.
0: Yeah. He was my first posing coach, too. Uh,
1: he, I mean, he was fantastic. He's great. Absolutely fantastic. But, I mean.
0: It's like, you're rigid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> fu- I'll have to dig those out of the archives. It's, it's pretty comical. Um, but, again, for somebody who would just be getting into it, if they find that intimidating, this was not that long ago for me. And um, I spent a lot of time practicing and just getting used to studying it, getting used Mm -hmm. to it. And I I, I wouldn't say that was natural for me at all. Yeah. Like at all. I really had to tap into that like feminine energy, which I think that's the thing that I liked about it so much. Me too. Growth. I love growth. I don't care what it is. So to me, it was like, this is something that I need to like pull out of myself And it's been, I just think the universe works in magical ways. And I think it was right timing for me to have to, like, really just dig in and pull that out. So
0: It's crazy how things enter your life at those times. And if you really kind of take a look at the bigger picture of it, you're like, this is exactly what I needed at this time. Mm -hmm. And there's probably more reasons why. I found myself getting back into better posing and going back into, for me, it was going back into dance classes because I had taken that away for so long and just hyper fixated on body, the bodybuilding aspect of it, that I wasn't allowing myself to feel that feminine energy in my posing Mm -hmm. for a while. Not, not so much recently, but there was a phase in my life where I was really rigid and I, I would watch my videos and I'm like, oh, God, why do I look like that? Like, why am, why am I so stiff and tense and just rigid? Yeah. And it took me really doing a lot of even outside practices to, like, embrace my femininity again that allowed me to be more flowy and more mm-hmm. just – in like embodied, mm-hmm. um, and that really, really, really helped. And I don't think that a lot of people think about those things mm-hmm. all the time when they're struggling in those practices, but it does take you embracing those parts of yourself to actually master those. At least that's personally what I feel about yeah. it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, so many people would just look at you from the outside and think, like, oh, this is normal for you or this oh, is natural. Gosh. And, and no, it's. I think everything is a skill, and if mm-hmm. you want to learn it and you – You can absolutely learn like literally anything just if you embrace being uh, a beginner. Right. right? And like
0: you said, you have to you have to fall in love with the process, too, because if Mm -hmm. you don't like the process, you're really not going to like execute the outcome as much as you think you can, because the process is so important. If you don't like that, you're going to get really stuck in it. Um, And even for myself, like I might have that dance background, which might make it come my, it might make it make sense a little bit more, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't a struggle. Right. I still had to practice so much because mm. still getting on stage and posing was different than executing a dance routine yeah. where I can just like whip my hair around and you know just like <laughs> flow through it. It still felt different, but um, I had to fall in love with the process mm-hmm. too. And it took some, it took some time and took some challenges, but um, it's been a really big a big part of my life that's shown me growth in other ways. And I'm sure you can relate when it probably comes to your business and things that you've built for yourself and the tools that you've used from preps and, you know, understanding yourself and now that you've taken it into your career. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I always say there's so many things about fitness um, that I love because it really challenges you to dig in and address those things those parts of yourself that you've ignored oh yeah or <laughs> brushed under the rug or just accepted as this is how it is um you know you're not going to make it if you keep brushing things under the rug you've got to just face it head on and just tackle that thing that you're scared of the most
0: yeah there was a time where I felt like it was one prep in particular but it was a great prep but I realized that I was like band-aiding a lot of other things like getting into that prep and it wasn't until after that I was like I really need to utilize this to work on some things and not just like cover it up Mm -hmm. so it did show me a lot of things and i'm sure a lot of people can relate to that um even people getting into fitness journeys that are not um, competition related but just for a lifestyle change i'm sure a lot of your clients you know getting involved with a plan just to improve their lives has shown them a lot of things Mm -hmm. about themselves
1: yeah i you know i tell our clients this um in our program the the biggest difference between like a competitor or a non-competitor is we have a timeline we have a fixed deadline typically of fire under our ass to get there and I'm probably going to get somewhere between 6 to 8% leaner than you will feasibly want to achieve. Right. But other than that, the process is 100% the same. I'm just going to like go another mile down the road.
0: Yeah. For a different reason. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So the dieting is the same. Like the struggles are the same. The hunger is the same. The f- fatigue is the same. Yeah. You know.
0: So when it comes to I know you mentioned that you had a corporate job and that you were, um, you know, getting into fitness. What made you shift that corporate job into getting involved with making your passion of what you do actually your career? <laughs> okay, I
1: probably have an unconventional answer to this because <laughs> I did not actually want to do this. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, um, I went to school for I have a marketing degree and minor in sociology, so that was like my background. And I had this vision of being a CMO of a big company. That was mine. I was like, I'm climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. So like that drive was there. I never. I don't have entrepreneurs in my family. Um, that's. Has certainly been actually a point of contention in my family recently too. My parents are still like, you can still get a good government job, um, which is – that's a whole other topic. But, um, you know, I wanted to climb the corporate ladder, and I was on that path. I worked for very large agencies in L.A. I worked with um, a, several different agencies in San Diego doing branding, marketing, um, lead generation, websites, all – like you name it. Um, and that was my background, and I really enjoyed it. I love the creative process, and um, yeah, I fitness was my hobby. I just loved competing, and I loved that that was my time after work or before work, and I was totally content with that. And um, I'd never had a vision of being a, uh, a trainer, a coach. I just kind of, I don't know, that wasn't my thing, you know? So um I was actually exposed to entrepreneurship from my ex. So he owned an agency in San Diego. And um I'm as hard as that relationship was and the whole ending of that relationship it actually exposed me to entrepreneurship and to running a business. So, you know, I always tell people you know, if you're going to you're going to blame people for the bad, you got to blame them for the good, too. And so as Things happened in that relationship that kind of almost forced me to go this path, and I'm grateful that um, I I did it because I'm obviously I'm can't even say how happy I am now with my life and what I'm doing, um, and my skill set for my corporate world obviously translates very well over to what I'm doing now, but it was not my It wasn't the plan. mm -mm.
0: Yeah, that is really crazy because usually you hear it the opposite way around where somebody is working the corporate life and they like want this so bad and like Mm -hmm. I want to get out of it which I mean neither is right or wrong but you don't hear it as much. Mm -hmm. I struggled with it because I don't have an entrepreneurship background either. Like nobody in my family is like that. They're more of like we're going to play it the safe route. Right. safe route, the quote unquote yeah. safe route. And I was actually exposed to entrepreneurship through an ex as well. And there was a lot of bad stuff that happened with that. But I, it's really important to what you said, because even like the worst things in your life that can happen to you, or not even if it's the worst thing, like a an unfavorable situation that didn't work out for you you can look at all the bad stuff, but there could be little nuggets of information that led you to where you're at now. So you have to kind of take that yeah. and go with it. Um, I never thought I'd be in a position. Well, I definitely never thought I'd have a podcast. <laughs> definitely never yeah. thought I'd be a fitness athlete, let alone a pro. And I mm-hmm. definitely didn't think I'd ever be a coach. Mm-hmm. And now that's something that I'm pursuing and strength, like kind of like straying away from old careers. So it's really important to look at what you're going through and, like, be mindful of where it's taking you because mm-hmm. it could be leading you down, like, really incredible paths. Now you get to, you know, change a bunch of women's lives all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Six Pack Chick Fitness, mm-hmm. which it's you and a bunch of other coaches at this point, right? Yep.
1: Yeah, we have a team of five right now, and I'm actually hiring a
0: couple this summer. Nice. That's so. awesome.
1: Yeah, it's such a blessing, um, you know, just going back to, you know, it was a sink or s- swim situation, and – Even when I started working for myself, my goal was so tiny. Yeah. You know, it was just like, I just need to pay my bills. Yeah. (laughs) You know, honestly, I was like, I need to figure out a way to pay my bills. I also did attempt to go back into the corporate world at one point and uh, realized I was unemployable. Because of running that business with my ex, I I didn't even realize how my mind was changing. Interesting. And how I was thinking about business and... I didn't realize my own capabilities, I think. Do
0: You feel like you were selling yourself short a little bit?
1: I, I just think just general awareness. Right. you just start to assume you have a story about yourself, and it doesn't even have to be a good or a bad story. It's just like this is, this is how it is. And I didn't realize as I was working with him and I was you know, I was meeting with CEOs of very large companies, or CMOs of very large companies to sell our services, close deals get them integrated into our company, um, you know, working with our account management team and doing all that stuff. And I didn't even realize all the skills that I was gaining in the process um, of what I could do, working with vendors, working with, you know, freelancers and and just making it all come together. So I gained all those skills, not realizing what I was doing. So when I tried to go back in the corporate world, I realized I was unemployable because I couldn't be an employee I just had like frustrations about how the company was being run and all these things. So like I said, it was like sink or swim. I needed to do my own thing. Now at the time, my vision was, said, pay my bills. But once I surpassed that, I, my vision started growing a lot more. And it became like, how many more people can I help? And then like when I first hired my first coach to work on, with our team – then I was like, wow, I'm actually providing a job for somebody, you know, and now I'm providing income for people who love doing this, they love coaching, and they're really good at it, and now because of what I have built, they're able to do what they love and service all these, you know, we work with women in midlife, so service all these clients and really help them with their goals, so it's just been so kind of surreal of how it's just
0: Yeah, it it took that little like shift in there to not realize like it's not that I'm unemployable. Maybe it's like I'm over – I've gotten so much into the entrepreneurial space and now people are going to work for me Mm -hmm. and not that I – can't work for somebody else, but I've gotten to a space where I can provide a container for people to work Mm -hmm. in this environment and I can coach them and I can be that person. Um, I think people put a a stop on their growth process sometimes and they don't realize what they're capable of or they're not really seeing what they're capable of in the moment. And I think it takes us all having that like big wake up call to realize that we're selling, I don't wanna say selling ourselves short, but we're not living up to like our fullest potential.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, actually, a funny story. My um, So Six Pack Chick is my Instagram handle. Um, it used to be Victoria Scott Fitness. And in 2017, that is when I was in that sort of sink or swim moment. And I was struggling. I was trying to make ends meet. Um, you know, like we were scraping by. And a friend of mine who is an entrepreneur, he's actually in the cannabis space, he was texting me one night. I'll never forget exactly. He was sitting in my bed, time of day. I remember it so vividly. And he was throwing out all these ideas. you got to have this, you know, booty program and arm program and da-da-da. And he was throwing all these ideas. And I, what I texted back to him was reasons why I couldn't do it, one after the other. And finally he goes, you know, you're, you're, you are your own worst enemy. And I just started breaking down crying.
0: Because he hit that sore he spot.
1: was so right. And I knew it. And there's been times like that over the years where I hit that somebody said that thing to you and it's like burned in your memory because it was so impactful. Now, I didn't turn out the next month and, you know, suddenly just blow up. But it was, a, it was one moment that kind of gave me a kick in the ass of like, I need to start addressing some of these thoughts in my mind. Like, I really was my own worst enemy. I had an excuse or reason why something couldn't happen for everything.
0: Do you know where that comes from? Was it something that like you like you grew up with? Was it because like you didn't really have somebody to like give the extra push? And I only ask that because for me I grew up with a lot of fear-based mm-hmm. ideologies and it took my coach being like you're scared of success. Mm-hmm. And I'm like that doesn't make any sense. I'm like why would I be so scared of success? He's like you're scared of how successful that you could be. Mm -hmm. And 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 I'll never forget him saying that because it took me a while to like compartmentalize like what he meant by that. And from what I got out of it was more success comes with more responsibility. And Mm -hmm. if I'm doubting myself, I'm not going to let myself become any more successful because I know what comes with that and if I'm doubting how capable I am I'm gonna sit right here mm-hmm. and I'm gonna find every excuse like you said yeah. to not push to the next level and so I had to take a deep dive and be like where do these where did these self-deprecating thoughts really come from mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm.
1: you don't trust yourself yeah um, where do I, I, don't, I don't don't know if I think that there was a place in my childhood or something yeah because um, I actually believe that my, my parents actually poured a lot of belief into me. Right. Um, which, that's why I said it's like, it's, it's a little a, bit ironic now. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I think that I am who I am because of them in a lot of ways. Especially my dad, like, really pouring into me, like, you can do anything. Oh, you that's know? awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I'm actually still not really sure why yeah. I had some of these ceilings for myself, I think it was just um, just some self doubt that was just sitting in there, and um, it also was. I think it's also hard when you come from a really broken place. You know, I had just gotten out of a, a long term relationship that ended very poorly, and um, there was there was trauma there, and you start to question everything about yourself. Yeah, and you also like for me, I look back and I realized over several years, I sort of kept sweeping my own dreams and desires under the rug and all of a sudden you wake up and that relationship is over and you're starting over and now you've got to go back and figure out who you are again yeah and like pull that back out
0: and that process is is tricky mm-hmm. it's really tricky and it's um it's really uncomfortable mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and I think it's just from doing uh some of the things I've already said here came from a Tony Robbins conference I get I had went to in 2014 like 13 2014 and um, you know one of the things I learned in that conference is you know change doesn't take three months three years 30 years it takes a decision like you can decide today to be different and just follow through with it and I think that's the biggest thing is people they're waiting for something to happen or they're waiting for oh it's gonna happen and They have this idea it's going to happen in three years or something. And it's not going to take you that long to change. You have to decide first, and then the change starts to happen. So I had to decide to start being a different person. I just decided to start following through more and start trusting myself and just start executing on things. And it's not that I don't have doubts and thoughts that still today – but I learned that you can have those doubts, just let them float by.
0: Yeah. And it's that self-accountability mm-hmm. to understand that it might not be perfect, but you're going to like take that and make those adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had had <laughs> gone through a few waves of that. And it's not just one time that you're going to have to convince, not convince yourself. It's not just one time that you're going to have to make a decision to change. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a repeat of this over and over and over again in a practice. It's not one thing that, like you said, you're just, okay, I'm going to change and be better. Mm-hmm. You're going to have those days where you're going to like, potentially want to slip back into old habits, old ways, the easier route, things like that. But you really have to be that reminder to yourself of like why you're doing them. That's why I tell people like why your why is so important. Because if you don't know what that is, you are so going to be so easily swayed Mm -hmm. back into other things that you might not want to be doing or just old habits and patterns. So you really have to have a strong why you're making that decision.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think one of the things we tell our clients in our program is, you know, initially when you're starting something new, everything is forced. Like every meal, it feels every forced. cardio, every meal prep, like every decision is forced because it's not normal. Like what you were doing before was normal to you. So to make that change, you have to force yourself to start to do those things until you build that momentum up. And once you have that momentum, things start to click and things start to become easier. And that's why we were talking earlier about like getting back into prep. It's like it's gonna it's gonna feel forced. Oh yeah, it's a hundred percent gonna feel forced. You have to make yourself like get up and do that extra little cardio in the morning and start to make some of the changes. Um, it's never gonna feel good. Yeah, it doesn't. And I think the expectation that like you're supposed to feel good out the gate, I think that's what screws people up. It's it's just get up one day at a time, do one meal one cardio, one training session, go to bed early, whatever that is, and build the momentum. And as you build the momentum, you start to feel better. You start to get into that flow. And then then it starts to become more natural. Uh, it's not that things get easier. I think you then are presented with new challenges. Every time. Mm-hmm. But you're
0: also building that confidence more and more every time too because when you realize you can do the little things, over and over and over again, you keep reminding yourself like, okay, I did that. That's mm-hmm. one more time I did that. And then you can kind of expand and expand and expand. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in the habit of a long time ago, making my bed every day, like, or when I'm in the habit of doing that, that would always set the tone for the morning. If you can't do one thing, make your bed in the morning. You're like, okay, I accomplished this. It might sound small, but this is what I did mm-hmm. and It set the tone. Then you prepped your breakfast and yeah. you added that on. Just like you said, you just kind of keep adding those things on and on and on before it becomes natural. Yeah. And yeah. then you're in the habit, and now you feel really good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And the more good you feel about yourself, the more you're like, "I can do the hard things," mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And then prep becomes more mm-hmm. religious, I guess you could say. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh my gosh, there's so much to say about all
0: that. Yeah, it's just <laughs>
1: we could probably talk for a couple hours. Oh, a thousand like,
0: percent. And even as I'm <laughs> even as I'm saying this, and I'm like, "Well, Christina, like, take your take your own advice." Mm-hmm. But that just goes to show you, like, you can be a professional in this space and still mm-hmm. struggle and that's really important to recognize, even if you're somebody who's getting, who's brand new, that Mm -hmm. even somebody who's been doing this for a long time will still struggle. We're all human. We all go through traumas. We all have really bad things that happen to us in our lives. But Mm -hmm. like you said, it's the matter of making the decision that you want to be different, Mm -hmm. that you want to change for yourself. And I even recently had to do this for myself because I fell into a period of time where I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I just want to like live and like go out and do all these things. And that's all great. But I wasn't finding the balance. Yeah. And if I want the change, I have to t- tell myself I'm making the change. It actually was this morning. Like mm-hmm. I, I sent my girlfriend a text message on the way over here and I'm like, this is what I'm doing. Like I'm pulling back on this. I'm doing more of this. I'm doing less of this. And I made that decision today. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, what? what made you just decide that? I'm like, because I, I have to, mm-hmm. I have to tell myself I'm going to do it because no one's going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. No one's here to hold your hand anymore. You know, you, you, you can have a coach, but you can't expect them to make it happen for you. They can provide you all of the instructions. Mm-hmm. They can provide you all the tools, all the training, but if you can't execute it, they're not going to be like, yeah. Holding if you're your looking,
1: I, if you're looking for accountability, it's, uh, you know, you can get a, a third grader to help you with accountability. They're going to ask you, did you do your homework today? Right. Uh, Coaches are for giving you the roadmap, right? To telling you, here's the game plan and with a uh, expert skill set, right? They have advanced subject matter knowledge that maybe you don't have. Uh, They're looking at you from the outside, but it's your job to execute. Right. I I had a business coach, too, who also – that was my second big aha moment, by the way, in my uh, journey with uh, Six Pack Chick Fitness – um, where I was struggling, and he told me what to do. He told me everything to do, and I wasn't doing it. I was in my head about some other stuff, and finally got on the phone with him, and I was bitching about <laughs> struggling, and he finally was like, "You must not have bills to pay," <laughs> oh, <you're laughs> which like, was <laughs> the opposite, right? Like I was like up you're here. Like, Actually, I have a lot of bills. <laughs> yeah, and I start again. I was like, I like well, I was. Like, <gasps> crying because it was the pressure of the financial pressure at the time was so high from where I was sitting that when he said that I mean it couldn't have been further from the truth but it was like another like fire under my ass that like he's right I'm dicking around like you know with my stories and my sob story or whatever and not actually executing and all I needed to do was actually execute what he told me to do And so literally I flipped a switch and the next day and I think I brought on like 10 clients like in two weeks. And that was so pivotal for me because it was kind of another aha moment that made me say, um, I need to stop sitting in all these stories. That you're creating. I just need to take action every single day and be consistent with that and focus. A lot of people I think get so distracted like... You mentioned a second ago about fixing your bed. I actually don't fix my bed in the morning. I I actually, I got out of the habit. So I started, people get all obsessed about morning routines. I tell people, focus on the number one task that you need to get done. For me, it's not even, if I feel like fixing my bed, I fix my bed. It doesn't make or break me whatsoever. (laughs) I I don't wake up at 5 a.m. I don't meditate in the morning and and do that kind of stuff. I say, I know it needs to get done today. And that is my laser focus.
0: Well, you see, you, you need to, done. you need to figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. Like what works for somebody might not work for somebody else. And like me telling somebody my morning routine, I'd be like, mm-hmm. I don't have, I can't, I can't do that in the morning. That stresses me out. I just need to get to work, yeah. eat breakfast, do that. But if that's what works for you and mm-hmm. you become your best self and do that, then you need to. But if you're like me and you're a fucking scatterbrain and you need <laughs> to like have like a minute in the morning to make sure things are like settled, it helps for me, it helps mm-hmm. my anxiety like fucking tenfold like I don't know what it is but I'm like I just need to make sure that my space is like organized and set and I had a minute to myself before Mm -hmm. I can like tackle something because if my anxiety gets to a certain point I stop executing Mm -hmm. I feel like I um it's almost like going into like freeze mode Mm -hmm. like I don't want to say it's like fight or flight but I I get so anxious that I'm like I can't do anything and I'll not do anything Mm -hmm. so for me that worked but it's not a one-size-fits-all thing it's not it's not at all
1: no, and I learned that in the process of building my business was to stop trying to do all these things, right. whatever that person's doing. I stopped looking at that and started just doing what I knew. Was gonna move me forward. And I think that's so different for everybody. Yeah,
0: and at the end of the day, that's what's most important. You can scroll through TikTok right now and see everyone's like, get ready with me video. And it's like <laughs> a completely staged video of their mornings. Yeah. I found the one, I scrolled past one the other day, and it was a guy that was like, kind of, joking about how people make those videos and it's how they like stage themselves, waking up all peacefully and like (laughs) stretching and hydrating and whatever. And I'm like, man, my morning was like me rushing out of bed because I missed my alarm and like throwing something on and like eating breakfast in the car. And that was my reality. Mm -hmm. And to not get down on yourself too much if like your morning isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. But taking the time to figure out what you need to make yourself your best self in the morning is gonna be strictly for you.
1: Absolutely. And
0: you know, I mean, obviously planning and figuring out what you need to do for you is going to provide you success for the rest of the day, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like the same thing for everybody.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the, another thing I learned in that process that I, I think has really, really helped me and maybe a little unconventional is I heard one time someone said that, you know, successful people, they learn to shorten the downtime. So, Back in the day, especially when I was going through a lot of trauma, something would happen. I might be triggered by something, and it might ruin my day, my week, my month, like whatever it is. Like things bog you down, and it can bog you down for as long as you let it. And I can't remember what the speaker was talking about this, but they were like, you know, successful people, they, they take that downtime, and where it used to be a month, it gets shortened to a week, it gets shortened to a day, it gets shortened to an hour, to five minutes so when things happen that are historically would disrupt me and throw me off my game rather than having that be like it's gonna take over your whole week i always think how do i shorten this so it's five minutes like the elon musks of the world right that's that's the reality is like stop letting things you know make you have a bad month
0: it doesn't need to be like that it
1: doesn't have to be like that at all
0: it's a choice it is short for sure.
1: The faster you can shorten your downtime from what you're focused on, the better off you're going to be. Well,
0: because most times, too, I mean, I could be speaking from personal experience. I don't want to say this is for everybody. This is just my opinions as far as podcasting goes. But <laughs> it is your podcast. <laughs> it is my podcast. These are my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> but I've noticed I used to play victim to that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I also didn't know any better. And I also thought that like a lot of the things that happened to me were really bad because they were, Mm -hmm. and I had to pay attention to them. I couldn't, because this is also one side of the things you can't diminish something that you've went through. If you went through something bad, if something's really Mm -hmm. affecting you, playing it off, like it's not affecting you is not good, but choosing to let it ruin your week, your month, your Mm -hmm. two months, three months, that's on you. Mm -hmm. And that's what I didn't really know how to like stomach back then i'd be like oh god this terrible thing is happening to me to me to me like why is this happening and i would just let it ruminate and it would just take over everything i would feel like i'm drowning in life and then i finally get to a point where i'm like this is Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to let this do this. And that was a major shift I had. Mm-hmm. And I took, I was able to take it down and down and make it smaller and smaller. But if it came up again and I need to process something, Absolutely. that's understandable. Mm-hmm. But you take the time to process it. Mm-hmm. You make space to process it. You don't let it fall onto your work, onto your other relationships, onto anything that you're doing, onto your preps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how to compartmentalize your pain and your traumas and understand them and process them but you don't let it bog you down for a month at a time and just sit there and honestly play victim to your circumstances and it's funny because if I think back to Christina a few years ago I would have never ta- I would have never spoken like this mm-hmm. I would have just been sad She'd wounded grown. victim yeah but you you go through what you go through mm-hmm. you know so it, ta- it does take time but you're right though like mm-hmm. being able to kind of shorten those spans of I don't even know what you would call it but just processing so I guess the downtime the downtime yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's
1: like either you're operating at this very high level and then you get knocked off, you know, so it's like, okay, well, how do I get back up to this high frequency as quickly as possible? Yeah. Again, it doesn't mean that you uh, ignore what mm -hmm. happened, but it's it's, uh, self-reflection.
0: Right, and what are you going to do to help yourself get Mm -hmm. back up there too? Because that high frequency is where you're performing at your optimal best and not just in competitive world in the stage but in life in general
1: well it's where you can operate from a position of giving and contribution and I think that's a, such a huge transition to go from like what anger it actually makes me angry now yeah. to have downtime because when something comes in if, if an energy person whatever comes in and knocks me off I actually get angry me too because it takes away from the people I could be serving yeah I realize that my downtime me sitting in my corner being all upset was like all about me and right it's like you're pointing the flashlight at yourself and so I always think how do I turn the flashlight and point it on somebody else you want to get out of your misery fast start thinking that way how do I take the flashlight off myself and point it onto somebody else and you'll see their pain their struggle where you can help yeah. And you'll feel gosh like I'm not doing so bad, you know? Yeah.
0: To be honest, that was a huge reason why I started this podcast Mm -hmm. and it was a process of me uncovering my my own pain, understanding my own pain, being able to talk about my own pain in the beginning, but also to use it as a story to help other people. Mm -hmm. And the second that I realized that I wanted to take what I went through and help others, just like a coaching business, Mm -hmm. um, it really does some service to you to pay it forward and it takes what you're going through and it I don't know. Like helping other people help me help myself. Mm-hmm. If that's if that makes yeah.
1: sense. Yeah. So when things come up now, um, whether it is in my fitness journey or in business, it upsets me for a second, and I get frustrated or whatever. And then I start. I, my first question is, is what was my role in this? How how could I have prevented this? What could I do better next time? I start thinking about like the processes within our company. I start thinking about. Um, you know, what, what, what things or what processes could I put in place to avoid this in the future? And where was my community? Did I miscommunicate? I stopped looking at like, I'm upset with this person for doing blah, blah, blah. And like, okay, where did I fuck up?
0: It's a self-reflection yeah. as well. As Maybe that. the answer is
1: I didn't. That's totally fine. But I think it's, it's worth, especially in a leadership position to, to. take a step back and ask those questions of, did, where, where's the break in process? Where could I communicate better? What, what could I put into place? What resources can I create? And I start asking those questions. And then you turn this negative situation into something that you can actually do something with. And maybe sometimes there is no real, like something that could have been done. It just is what it is. But sometimes you can come up with new things, new ways, um, something that can, Make the situation better and it actually then helps other people in the future.
0: Yeah. And it just comes full circle. It's Mm -hmm. really gratifying too. And um, I know with all of these like processes too, I'm sure with people's fitness journey and a competitor's fitness journey, especially, I feel like all of the tools that we use there kind of play into our businesses and and vice versa. And, um, I know Worlds is coming up again too, which is huge. And you'll be competing this year, I'm assuming and kind of defending that title. Is there anything that you do for yourself that has like led you to be able to be that successful, confident person on stage and the pressures that have come with it that you've been able to kind of share with your clients or just people in general?
1: Yeah. Um, I think just the, it's the practice of it. It's the discipline of just following. Like I said earlier, trusting yourself and following through. Um, I think that is so transferable to all aspects of life. I compete. I, I actually, and I'm I'm very adamant about this. I don't compete to inspire other women to compete. Like I've heard people say that. I actually, I actually tell people to really question what their I motives do are I <laughs> um, I am a competitive person. I look at bodybuilding as a, a sport. Um, the WBFF is fashion modeling and I think that there are I love the challenge of that. And so I do that honestly for myself. I yeah. truly truly do it for myself and what I do in my lifestyle all the you know the other Nine months out of the year, I hope inspires others because my my vision and my message to women, particularly, you know, I'm about to turn forty, right? So forties, fifties, sixties, is, you know, you can have a fit and healthy lifestyle, and you don't have to do these extreme diets. Like there actually is hope. There's a way, and um, you know, you don't have to be over the hill at forty. Right? Not at all. So I want people to see that and be inspired by that in my lifestyle because I enjoy, you know, I had, was my birthday yesterday. I had skinny margaritas by the pool. I had a fantastic time. I don't think twice about As it. As you should. I, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have date nights. Um, I have a really healthy lifestyle, but I built that lifestyle over many years. So I enjoy pasta. I have pizza. I have burgers. I also have lots of chicken and lots of steak and rice and potatoes. I I don't have any Food exclusions in my diet. Um, and I feel very confident and happy with that. I know where to push and when I need to pull back. Yeah, and but I that think,
0: develops over time, like you said. But for competing,
1: um, I think it's not like I'm compete because I'm hoping to show other women what's possible. I actually do compete because I'm an I'm an athlete. Yeah, and I love being competitive, and it's it's still my hobby and my passion um, for myself but i think what's so important about that is to have a passion and to have something that you're doing for yourself for yourself because of whatever reason you like and um and so like yeah the confidence on stage is for me it's it's that part of me like i said earlier about modeling and stuff that's so foreign to me uh Maybe it's because I'm a Taurus, but, like, if something scares me, it's, like, I can totally be shaking, but I'm still going to walk right up to that ledge and, like, face it head on because I have to.
0: Yeah. There's <laughs> something really um, invigorating and just, like, that fuels my fire about that. Mm-hmm. And I relate to what you just said so hard because I – every time, anytime someone comes to me, like, I want to compete, I'm, like – we need to have a conversation (laughs) and it's not because I want to talk anybody out of competing. Like, well, I see you and what you do and what you do. And I'm like, I just want to know their why. I want to ask them why they're doing it because there's so much that goes into that. And for me, I share my journey to being competitive because it's gotten me through a lot. And there were a lot of reasons why I chose to be competitive. There's, Mm -hmm. um, Things that I've been through, things that I love about a challenge like that. I've been com- I've been a competitive dancer and cheerleader my whole life. Getting on stage and performing and showing off months of work is something that I'm used to. That's just what I do. Mm-hmm. And so I like to show that journey of what it takes to get somewhere and how you can overcome challenges and obstacles. Um, but it's more so to inspire someone else to be their healthiest, best self and mm-hmm. to do what it takes to get to that version of themselves. Um But like you said, there's something about walking up to the edge. I'm not even Taurus, but there's something about, about (laughs) walking up to the edge of something that's completely terrifying and being like, I'm going to tackle this and I can do this.
1: Like I still got to jump anyway.
0: I'm still going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, especially when someone tells me that it is challenging I'm like, how challenging, like Mm. (laughs) you kind of just like lit the fire for me even more. But that's also, that also can be things outside the stage too. That could be dance. That could be, you know, other you know sports it could be anything but that mentality i think is is the same mm-hmm. so i'm glad that you have such a healthy platform to show people what it's like to be healthy outside of the stage and just to utilize your fitness journey to show people that you are an athlete and that's mm-hmm. i think that's the most admirable thing about being in the fitness space is the athleticism that it takes to actually get somewhere so mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing all that information. I feel inspired, so I'm sure that other people listening awesome. feel inspired as well. And we'll make sure to leave Victoria's information here, too. Um, she's local to Las Vegas and has an incredible coaching business, Six Pack Chick Fitness, as we said below. So once again, thank you so much and um, good luck this year. I'm excited to oh, be back at the WBFF stage <laughs> with you.
1: <laughs> thank you. I know it's going to be so fun. I'm, I'm really excited for this prep and... Um, yeah, I got to start uh, start doing that cardio soon too. Yeah,
0: I feel that. I'll be going <laughs> to do that afterwards. And um, I'm sure I can speak for both of us when um, both of our inboxes are open if you guys have any questions about anything we talked about. And I uh, will make sure to see you guys next time.